Hello and welcome to the fifth episode in series two of If Not Now Then When, the podcast. I'm Rachel Hymas, the founder, and I'm also your host today. I honestly don't know about you, but I feel like I've just blinked and it's almost Christmas. This year has been a challenging one for many of us. However, I've spent the past week just reflecting back on the development of If Not Now Then When this year. I think it's incredibly important to give yourself reflection time just so you can see what you've achieved rather than constantly striving for more. This podcast aims to uplift you and to allow you to believe that your aspirations are attainable. And within that, I want to thank everyone who's engaged with the content and the feedback that they've given me. It's such a strange year filled with social distancing. However, I honestly feel like I've been surrounded and inspired by such an incredible group of people. I'm so excited to announce for this episode, I'm joined with a talented and hugely inspiring Denzel Curry. A lot of the thing is that we as designers, we, we tend to feel like cogs in the wheel, like replaceable. And you need to build an element of irreplaceability into what you're doing. Otherwise, like I said, you can work at a company and, and be award-winning. But as soon as you leave, it's the company that's award-winning, not you. With over 100,000 followers on both Instagram and YouTube, Denzel is an incredibly successful streetwear designer who hand prints onto his own garments for his fashion line, Curry Goat. He's collaborated with a number of brands, has a wealth of knowledge surrounding social media, and he's still under 30. Let's get to it, the fifth episode in series two. So I'm very excited to say that I have Denzel with me. So what are you drinking? I did actually just get a, uh, a little clip um, on the screen because we're doing this over Zoom actually. It's during the quarantine lockdown of what your drink is and it looks a lot more elaborate than mine. Um, I'm drinking a white chocolate and strawberry mocha with oat milk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bougie. Are you actually? Did you make that yourself? Yeah, it's not that hard. It's just, um, you know that the really fancy chocolate, hot chocolate brand, Witchard, is it? Witchard? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, they like they give you these little boxes of the hot chocolate <laughs> and I just made that with a bit of coffee. Oh my God, that's so bougie. I know, right? It's really nice though. You know, it's, like, <laughs> I say to myself, like, during quarantine and stuff, you can't really go to coffee places. So it's like, just do it here. You have to get the yeah. nice ones. Well, I have um, a granulated. Um, <laughs> yes, make it sound fancy. With with milk. <laughs> yeah, it's in a London mug because I'm actually out of the city at the moment, so I feel like it makes me feel a little bit like I'm, you know, back at Safe. home. But um, but yeah, cheers. cheers. <laughs> it is also a Friday afternoon, so everyone should be really proud of us that we're both having um, bougie coffees. Yeah. Um, so anyone who's listening and doesn't know before, um, basically how this podcast is structured is I have five key questions and the idea basically is that by talking with Denzel and also all the other guests that I've spoken to, we kind of uplift you to believe that your aspirations are attainable and, um, how I structure it here is that the first question begins with, if you could summarize your career, how would you describe it? And you know what, for me, it's quite an interesting one because it's quite a, a, a broad question to ask you, but it'd be so interesting if you could kind of talk about actually how you got to where you are now, because even when I've spoken to you kind of in the past, and obviously people who are listening will know who you are, it's really interesting to know the kind of path towards how you got to where you are right now. So it'd be quite interesting for you to talk through that. Um, I think if I could summarize it before I go into the whole detail, I'd say I'm just a creative kid who likes to make stuff. Um, I think that's <laughs> nice. that's just really what it boils down to. It's not. Um, yeah. It's nothing serious. I, I think we can, we can take labels very seriously, um, but then yeah. also I think that kind of traps you because you get caught into, well, I'm this 
and then I identify as this, like it's now who I am as a human being. And then it kind of mm. traps you in this endless spiral of, well, can I change? Can I do this? Will people care if I do? You know what I mean? It, it kind of makes it more than it needs to be. So I'm just a creative. Yeah. I'm just a creative. I just like to do stuff that makes me feel like I'm adding visually to the world and adding, you know, the kind of, I guess, value that yeah. I can give. I think that's what I can see almost from the things that you've produced now because, you know, just, just for people listening, you know, you're not only kind of in the fashion industry, but you've also done um products in terms of like furniture items and things now and I think it's really interesting to know that like from what I know of you you started um so just to kind of put into context for anyone listening we actually know each other through like a mutual friend and what I really love really is actually that um through that kind of work that you had and you've learned obviously a lot from so it's Katie who I actually interview on one of my podcasts in uh, January time for anyone who's listening um, but it'd be really nice for you to kind of say about the the relationship that you had with her and actually how you kind of developed even like your creative passions and the things that you enjoy doing and started to understand that you wanted to develop your own thing I guess yeah so um so Katie was my old boss um when I say old boss I mean like from six months ago because <laughs> I just left um but now she's she's probably like the best person that I know and she's um I think she does more for people than anyone that I know who does things for people if that makes any yeah. sense she's very generous just as a human um but she's not generous in like a saccharine way where it's like she just gives and gives without you know purpose it's very strategic and it's very um purpose driven mm. Which is something that I respect because it's not just the case. She doesn't. She gives from abundance. You mm. know what I mean. She has so much to give, so she gives. But it's not about sacrifice. Um, I like. And there's a great quote that I like: "Is if you can't be used, then you're useless." You know, at the end of the day, like she does. Yeah. She 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 finds people who have tremendous value, but no one else can see it, and then she just gives you the platform, mm. I guess, to make that happen. Whether it be with within Pentland, where obviously she's decided that she wants to. Um, do her work or outside of Pentland yeah she's I think one thing that a lot of employers are um their thing is very much so okay so I've got this person and now they're mine I own them and they will be with me forever to be to use how I want to use them you know yeah forever and ever amen but I think she's very like there's been times where um I've sat in interviews with her and she's seen people who I, in my estimation, I would say are better than me. You know what I mean? Better than anyone that was, that was already employed. She'll go, yeah, you got two months mm-hmm. and then you're gone. Like she, like she, like she, because <laughs> she knows, she's like, you're not here. You can learn something from here and we can get something from you, which is just important. Like I said, you give from abundance. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, I'm giving this to you. It's you are useful to us. We will be useful to you. You have two months because I see that your potential is outside of here and you need to give me everything that you've got why you are here and then you know that's pretty much how yeah. that works but um so how long were you there for uh four years four years yeah. do you feel like you changed a lot as a person even when you first started it because in terms of your like background and stuff was that your first job out of university or like that that was your first sort of thing that you got into wasn't it that was my first job to do with my degree so I was working obviously you know you live in London I moved from Birmingham which is where I'm originally from so Mm. You got to pay the bill. So I was working restaurant jobs. Um, I had two jobs at one time at one point. Um, I was lucky that when I was, when I was in uni, I only had to work one job, um, mm. which was, which was pretty good. Cause there's a lot of people. Well, there's some you have to that, work more than one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's some people that didn't have to work at all. Obviously it's different situations, but like I only had to work one, but as soon as I left and obviously you don't have the, um, the backing of 
you know, the student loan and all that stuff and the grants, mm. then if you want to survive in London on your own, then yeah, you got to work. So I was working them. What kind did of you jobs. study at uni? Illustration. So I did, um, yeah, I did two years of visual communication at Birmingham City. Nice. And um, I left for reasons. And then um, I went to Kingston University and I did two years of cool. illustration. Nice. So did you, when you were doing your degree and everything, because this is always a question that I think is quite an interesting one. Like for me, at least, like I've always kind of half thought I knew what I was doing, but then maybe I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I studied architecture and then I studied interiors and I've done various other things. And did you know for sure when you were doing illustration that you always wanted to be involved in that creative form because actually illustration as a as a medium is actually can be something that was put across a lot of different, you know, like fashion, it could be in, in architecture or any kind of creative industry. Did you kind of already know in your mind at that time that you wanted to create your own brand, Curry Goat? Or, or was it something that kind of almost organically kind of formed? No, I didn't know. Um, I think certain things you just learn as you go along. I think a lot of people are afraid to experiment and just see what works for them. But that's the only yeah. way you can really truly figure out what is for you because at the end of the day it's like I always like say like the the journey from being a so I respect what we do in a different type of way because it's I think it's kind of brave because the journey to being like a doctor or a lawyer or a scientist or any of these like high level jobs that we respect in culture they are admirable like I'm not trying to take anything away from it but I mean in terms of actually getting there it's a very structured process. It's like you go mm. nursery, secondary school, sorry, nursery, primary school, secondary school, college, uni, and then, you know, you maybe do an internship or um, whatever it is yeah. that you get into that and you get to be that thing. Like if it's a lawyer, there's specific, there's even training programs to be a lawyer where you work and you train at the same time. Like it's very- Oh my God, like, I totally, totally agree. Like even for me, like I still, you know, you kind of- it, I think because I study architecture, I can completely understand that because I know that there was a completely straight, fairly long path to get to be an architect. But for me, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And then actually trying to like work out what you wanted to do whilst actually earning some money and also doing these other things, it's just so hard. And I, I, def I definitely get what you mean in regards to being a creative and kind of like almost working it out whilst doing the things that you kind of have to do to ensure you can actually eat yeah well. exactly and i think even more than that it's 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 we you have to apply the same creativity that you do to your work to your career almost because um mm. you kind of shape it to be what it is we all know that you know the creative industries is not as valued as it should be in the wider world anyone who has told them has, has anyone who's told like their friends and family that they do any sort of creative thing and then they've gone, oh, can you do something for me? And it's like, okay, cool. So I'm going to do it for free. And it's like, no, you wouldn't even go to a McDonald's worker and say, can you make this burger for free? You know what I'm saying? And that's something that we always go, oh, McDonald's. But it's something yeah. you would ask someone to give their creativity to you for free. Yeah. People don't value it. So it's like, you do need to work a lot harder to make that happen. Um, but I think for me, in terms of just like knowing where I wanted to go, I was just open to going, okay, I'm just going to struggle until I find it. Mm. I think that's that's basically just the best way you can think of it because it's not going to be easy to figure out what it is that you want to do. And I think also, like, I always want to stress that what I'm doing now is not what I want to do. It's what I'm doing now. So it's yeah. not a case of, okay, I'm 28 and now what I'm doing at 28 is what I want to do until I'm 70. You know what I'm saying? That's not the case. It's, yeah. it's I what I'm doing now is a sketchbook almost. It's me figuring yeah, it out yeah. publicly 
and I'm very happy to do that publicly because um, it can obviously inspire other people. And quite as it's kept, it gets me paid. Like people are very invested in my journey. I've noticed, and mm. I know that this isn't the final form. So, but if I'm able to make a living off of just the journey, then know, which is the longest part? Let's face it. Like you know, everyone's really yeah. in a rush to get to. And the you've got to enjoy that journey as well. Exactly, because right? the the journey is is the entire thing. It's the yeah. entire the entire process is the journey. So it's like if you're not enjoying the journey, if you can't make something from the journey, if you can't bring value through the journey then what's the point so for you was there like um you said obviously you left like six months ago I'd be quite interested to kind of know because I think there's a lot of people who are kind of listening in and things and you know they're really happy where they are but they also have aspirations to do something of their own and was there like a particular I don't know you were about to make a cup of tea or like it was like a proper moment for you where you remember being like, actually, I need to quit everything and just focus on on what my passion is and things? Or was it almost actually something quite... Because I know that, like, for example, Katie has always been incredibly supportive, but was it like a conversation that you had with her or was it just something that you knew yourself that you had to just do? Uh, it was kind of a combination. So it was a bunch of small things that were just going on while I was at work. I just never really felt um, that I was good at corporate life and I never really felt that I fit into what was going on so it kind of so I would Mm. see a lot of people like my peers and they were they were performing very well in the structure and I felt like I wasn't performing as well um yeah and I think that's just because I'm I'm when I obviously I realize now that I'm just built not to necessarily work within a system I I need to kind of work for myself isn't it funny that it's mainly your like perception of that because in a way, maybe no one else even noticed that was the case, but it's almost like that you felt and kind of knew that that wasn't something for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I always think it's funny what you think that people notice as an outward thing, but actually maybe sometimes it's kind of like just how you feel. Well, that's the thing though. It wasn't even necessarily, how I, it wasn't like, oh, I think everyone thinks that I'm trash. It was like, <laughs> I, I, in my estimation of where I should be, I know that I'm not performing at the same level. And it was just yeah. a lot of introspection of going, okay, why am I not? working as well in this system as everyone else is and it just boils down to it's just not for me and there was two very like key moments um it was one time we were um oh god i really shouldn't tell this story (laughs) so um the it was the uh, the chairman's birthday um so pentland is like a family-owned business for generations um and then something that this this is this might sound like an off point but it, it is it is important that in the black community, a lot of the things that we speak about is ownership. So um, when we mm. talk about things like, you know, um, institutional oppression, um, you know, all of these issues that we face, a lot of the stem of that is the fact that we don't own anything. So there's a lot, and mm. also we don't have power structures. So a lot of the, so the government systems, the legal systems, you know, business, all of these things, banks, all of that, it's, there's no community in it that yeah. we can see. And that becomes a yeah. problem because then when you try to rise through the ranks, you're doing it in a system that you are by definition alien to. I can only yeah, get as yeah. far as, you know, the system would allow. Um, and I can't remember the phrase as well. Um, it's you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. And I think sometimes like that is, I mean, the only way that I can relate to that and it's completely different really is is being a female and I think sometimes like that is something where a lot of the time at the top of companies and things that when you only see males at the top, you do feel, I, I don't know, it's kind of almost like you don't necessarily feel that way, but it's just something that's kind of there that you're aware of. 
but then it's even deeper than you can't be what you can't see because there's always been people who have aspired to be things more than they are and that's the mm. reason why I mean you can sit here because there's been black people who have seen themselves more than what society yeah. did which and put in the work to make sure that was the case and the same mm. with women there's always been women who have gone no my place in society is bigger than what I can already see and those pioneers mm. are extremely important but what's also just as important actually even more important is that the power structures will accommodate this because it's like with, with what I'm saying with the structure is if I'm not it's, it's fair enough that I aspire to be these things or if you're a woman if you aspire to be you know a CEO or in a position of power um if all of the men in the situation of power won't allow that to happen there's no way to get mm. these ceilings you know what I'm saying um, yeah. So anyway, I say all that to to loop right back back around to this is that. Oh, yeah, I was, sorry, I tend to go off on a. No, tangent. no, no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> um, it was it was me. I, I was I was going around. But um, <laughs> the reason I say that is because um, I respect the Rubens very much because I like that what they've done is they've kept it within the family, and I feel that mm. that's something that's so very powerful because we all know you know how the world has not been the kindest to the Jewish community. They're a Jewish family, and I I, mm. I, I always respect. Um, the Jewish community for always being able to bounce back from whatever terrible things have been done to them, um, mm. and the fact that they're a, the fact that the company has lasted longer um, than you know obviously the horrible things that happened during World War Two and before that um, is just a testament yeah. to you know the spirit of that. And I say all that to say this: um, it was his seventieth birthday, and then um, so it's the chairman of Pentland Group, which is the whole of the brand wow. and the company and the investments. And then his son, who's the second generation, is the third generation, sorry, is um, the chairman of Pentland Brands. And he stood up and he was like, you know, we're here today to honor my father, great man, all this stuff. And he said, and also I want to introduce you to, um, and I can't remember what their names were, these two little <laughs> kids, couldn't be more than five years old, just running around the place. This was after work, mind you. So um, we were all drinking in, in the office and stuff and it was, it was really weird. But um <laughs> And he was like, yeah, and one day they'll be your new chair people. And it's like, it's this little five-year-old running around. And I'm like, wow, one day this person will inherit this whole thing, which I'm busting my ass for. And that was, <laughs> that was very much so a uh, awakening moment because it's like the, the game, the game's not the same. You know what I mean? I'll just put it that way. But then also the second one was um, I was working really Build your hard. own empire. Yeah, no, for real. But if, um, and then this, the second one was very much so, well, actually, no, I'll say, I'll say, forget it. Like, you know, you, if you... Uh, say say you do really well at your job and you are the um the say you're the manager and you're the manager of an award winning team like you bring your team to win an award mm. if you leave and then someone else becomes the manager that new manager is now the leader of an award winning team mm. and you are someone who used to work at a company you know what I'm saying like the achievement yeah. doesn't stay with you it stays with the company but I think that's amazing because in a way I mean it's incredible that the like a company ha it's a family run company and and you've almost in a way seen that and thought that is amazing i'm never going to be running this company because it's a family run business and that's amazing but actually you took away from that you know what i'm going to build my own and it's almost like you were kind of inspired by what not necessarily what they'd achieved or anything like that but it's almost thinking you know what i'm going to build my own empire because that's something that then you can passed down it's your legacy and actually like you were saying there working for because I I kind of agree I think like 
working on your own projects it's it's always yours no matter kind of what happens it's always like got your name on it and I think that's what's quite exciting about these things you know like the things that you've developed you almost haven't put like a label on what you do or what you're doing because actually it's something that you're figuring out because it's like everything is yours like the branding is yours the sketches you've done are yours the social media which is something that I'd love to go into is is yours and I think that in itself is so exciting yeah, no. You know, one thing that I'd love to kind of ask you about is uh, yeah, the sure. next question, which is um, not your finest hour. What challenges have you faced along the way? And I think I'd be interested to know whether or not a challenge for you would be actually just deciding to quit and go it alone or whether or not there's been kind of like things along the way for you, even after that point, that's kind of been quite difficult or even just like funny things that have kind of just... Uh, I mean, it's 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 not easy the whole thing's kind of a struggle it's um there's a reason mm. why not a lot of people do it because it's not necessarily always worth it i think i'm like i said i'm at the beginning stages of everything that i'm doing i've had to reset a lot which is probably why uh it doesn't phase me as much but resetting has been a problem so like i said when i was at um when i was in birmingham i had to reset my whole degree to move to london and then mm. um when i started my work i started as an intern um, I didn't even know if it would really turn into a job because, like I said, I, was, I wasn't I was too confident in how I was performing um, compared to my peers. But luckily, I had a boss who saw bigger things for me than I was achieving at the time. Um, yeah. And then also, luckily, I was the kind of person that actually wasn't letting her down and I was growing and achieving and becoming a better designer. And then I've mm. thrown away that career, which, you know, could have turned into something amazing and extremely lucrative and I've started a brand new one from scratch. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, I think the whole thing's difficult. I think the biggest difficulty is um, prioritising in life because we, we had this conversation before where I was saying that um, there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make. So I wouldn't suggest any of this to anyone because I don't know anyone's individual circumstances. Like I don't have any children and I don't own a house. So I'm not tied mm. down to anything. So this decision that I've made isn't really even a decision because it can change as soon as I yeah. want to. Um, obviously, we're in a bad econ- economy right now, but at the end of the day, I have excellent references and I have four years of experience. If I wanted to give this up at any point and then go back into industry, yeah. I could. So it wasn't. Yeah. So it's not like I made some big, you know, weird sacrifice and I'm just so brave. It's like I made a cal- <laughs> it's like I made a, I made a calculated decision at what ended up being a good time. And mm. I can change that at any point because I haven't locked myself down to anything. But then I've also sacrificed a lot of things that a lot of other people are not willing to. And I would never suggest it because you build your life how you want it, not how society wants it. Mm. I think that's a really powerful way to describe it. And I think in regards to because I'd love, I actually really want to talk about your sort of social media side. So um, now that you've got to this point, what's the most notable positive moment? And one thing that you did just tell me, which I think is amazing and actually your instagram's very close to it as well you've got a hundred thousand followers on youtube you've got 99.8 thousand which i feel like by the time this goes out in like a couple of weeks or something uh it's probably gonna be on 100k on instagram and like for me at least i would love you to kind of talk about that because for me at least if if i even got to like ten thousand, i'd be like awesome you know um (laughs) Would you say that to you? I'd be interested to know whether firstly, actually to you, whether or not you see that as being a real achievement or whether or not it's almost like a byproduct of your creativity and you don't actually relate to it or whether or not it has actually been something that you've really had to work on. Because I think a lot of people almost think that with becoming like an influencer or at least having a real, um, really large following as an individual 
on Instagram is something that you really have to work at. I'd be very interested to know kind of your thoughts on it as someone who's kind of achieved those things. Um, whenever people talk about this, they always say, you know, I just, <laughs> I, I had a, a real passion and, you know, I thought maybe I'll do this in my spare time and it all just worked out in the end. It's lies. Um, everything that, <laughs> no, it is. I mean, um, I'm really pleased to hear that. No, it is, it is, it is big lies. Um, everyone who, all of those people, they all have either a social media manager or they've gone, they've done a course or they're taking it very seriously. Um, you don't achieve anything or at least maintain it by accident that's just not how life works you know um mm. every decision that I made was extremely strategic and um there was so much luck involved because it actually worked because it was the right time at the right place but then even mm. even in saying that a lot of me identifying the things that I should and should not do was also you know having a genuine and authentic um view within my community which at the time was you know just like streetwear and fashion but obviously I've branched out into just more creative mm. stuff now but um just for context, I guess, for anyone who um, doesn't know. So I have a YouTube channel where I share um, basically my entire creative process from start to finish in making anything from bags to clothes to furniture. Um, my vision for it is always bigger than where I am at the current moment. So obviously I started out um, making clothing on Instagram. Um, mm. But when I was doing that, my vision was where I am right now. And where I am right now, there's already a new vision so it's like I'm always no, moving that's towards amazing. the next thing. Um, but I never talk about the new vision because there's certain things you have to show, not tell. Um, mm. If I told people that I wanted to paint on clothes on Instagram and that I was going to quit my job doing that, they would have looked at me crazy. But then when they see yeah. the numbers, then they go, oh, okay, this now makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. rather than explaining it to people, I'd rather show them and go, okay, this is what this is, which I've, which I've already done. Um mm. So, did you do like a course or anything or was it literally just the fact that you because to be honest with you when I spoke to you previously it it's almost as though you just understood it you understood your market and I think that's the main thing is understanding who you are selling it to whether or not you're selling an idea a product or just a general lifestyle or or, or anything like it's you are essentially like with social platforms, you're kind of selling something, whether or not that's even for money or a product, it's you're showcasing something to people who they may connect to. I'd be interested to know whether you had like a plan for it or whether it was just like you say, kind of something you just kept working on. Yeah, that kind of relates back to what we were saying about, because I think as creatives, I respect what we do because you have to figure out yourself that once you leave uni, you, you've got endless opportunities. But I think mm. that, like I said, in terms of actually making social media happen, because it's so new, I think a lot of people think that it's um, this esoteric, weird thing that is impossible to get into. But the steps to get into social media are exactly the same as school. Like if it's school, if I wanted to be a, a doctor or if I wanted to be a business person or if I wanted to be in fashion or anything, I do the mm. same steps. I go to nursery, primary school, secondary school, college, uni, and then the thing. But what you do is to make it different is you, you focus on different things. So even though we're both in uni, one person's doing fashion, one person's doing law. It's the same. Yeah. With, it's exactly the same with social media. The steps to becoming popular in social media or to actually making an impact that people actually care about are always the same. But it's just what you focus on. And obviously, to know what to focus on, you just have to have an authentic love and passion and be actually involved in the community to know what the community would want. So, mm. um, for example, in my situation... After working, obviously, at Pentland, which is a sportswear company, I'd started to develop this real love for streetwear. 
and a real interest mm. in it. And then I was always creative and I was always making images. So I just wanted to merge the two. It was such a long process. So I basically, what I was doing was I was working from nine to five at Pentland and then I would get home and I'd work from like seven to two. I did that for a year. Yeah. And then three months out of that year was um, just planning. One of the processes was I defined my target audience. A lot of people don't do this. And that's mm. why you see a lot of things that maybe they blow up and then the people fizzle out because they never yeah. really knew what they were doing in the first place. Or you see a yeah. lot of people that can't get any traction because once again, they don't know what they're doing. Um, mm. if, you, if, if you can identify why people like something, you'll never fall out of favor because you already know what they want from you. Even if that takes a mm. different form, you know what their underlying value is. Like when you think about things like um, reality TV, there's there's a there's a there's a overarching obvious value which is maybe you know I, I just love the Kardashians or whatever, but the underlying value <laughs> or it's is, a Friday evening exa- and your yeah. brain doesn't work anymore. <laughs> exactly, but but then the underlying value is escapism. You understand what I'm saying? And, as la- and mm. if you are the maker of the Kardashians, as long as you build escapism into everything that you're doing, you can make a show anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? So you mm. so because I understand because I've taken the time to understand the underlying value of what I'm providing, it doesn't matter what form it takes, which is why I've been able to change from clothing to tables because that shouldn't make any yeah. sense. You know what I'm saying? That that, sh- that shouldn't yeah, be yeah, 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 something yeah. that works, but it works because I understand that the o- underlying value, the underlying value is creativity and inspiring people and making things accessible, which is why I always show my process. But then, like I said, so, so like I said, it was a year process. First three months were just planning. So I, I worked out my target audience. Most of the time, your target audience is going to be you. Um, but then you need yeah. to figure out what parts of you. So I wrote down four things. I wrote down everything that I like, everything that I hate, everything that's good about me as a person, and everything that's bad about me as a person. And you have to be extremely mm. honest with this. Um, and I suggest everyone does this no matter what they're doing. And the reason I say this is because it's easy to... It's easy to say the things that are good about you and the things that you like, but mm. people don't tend to understand that there's things that that can make that um, untenable. So it's like if you like to watch a show, but then there's a character in the show that annoys you and it makes you mm. stop watching the show, it doesn't mean that you didn't like the whole show. It means that you didn't like that specific thing. And you can accidentally mm. build those things into your um, into your process accidentally. Yeah. So it's like, um, you need to know the things you don't yeah, like. One yeah, of the things yeah, that yeah. I um, identified that was bad about me, just because obviously I can talk about what was good about me, but no one cares. One of the things <laughs> that was bad about me was that... That's I... what makes you really modest though, honestly. Like, I know this is a complete sideline from what you're saying, but genuinely, I, I, I just kind of get this vibe that I, I, I'm aware that you know how good you are, but I feel like you come across so down to earth, whereas actually, you know, as an outsider looking at what you've achieved... Um, I just think it's amazing. Oh, thank you. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you have to be realistic with these things because it's like, that's where you start getting delusional. Um, mm. And it's like, sometimes there's, there's a level of delusion which is good because you do need to... It's like, for example, um, no one was painting on clothes exactly the same way that I was doing it in exactly you know, the same format, all these things before I started doing mm. it. And you need to have a level of narcissism to go, okay, the world does not have this but I know it needs it. Mm. Like to say that the world needs something that it doesn't, that it's not asking for, you need to have a certain level of narcissism. So like, it's not like mm. a simple case of, you know, oh, um, I'm just so humble. Like obviously I understand that I have something <laughs> to provide, but you yeah. also need to be realistic in that, okay, 
yes, I've achieved a lot technically, but there's way more that I want to achieve. And I, I'm like, if I, this is not my final form. If I end here, I'm going to be very pissed off. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, that's it. But um, yeah, so I, one of the things that I've identified that was bad about me was that I can tend to get quite jealous of people who are doing something that I think I can do either better or just as good as. Mm. Um, or even or even people that are better than me. Like, yeah, if they're doing something that I like, that can creep in. And I and back before I was doing what I was doing, there was a few people who I unfollowed because I'm like, ah, I forget this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I thought, okay, how can I build into what I'm doing so that I can mitigate that so that doesn't happen to me? So what I did was I started sharing people's work. As soon as I had any sort of following, I started sharing mm. my other people's work on my story. So it's a case of nice. rather than getting them people who hate on me to leave i keep them around because you need the followers because yeah. what they do is they go well if i keep following him and i share and i tag him in my posts yes. then i will get shared and also it's like if you, i if from my perspective if you feel like you're better than me and if you feel like you have more to offer have my audience have it because yeah. i'm confident enough to know that i will keep them that they're not going to unfollow me to follow you and also i understand that everyone needs a chance you know what i'm saying so mm. it just kind of and also i think that. about elevating other people as well because i think like, i mean i don't know about you but i wouldn't want to be really successful and surrounded by nobody do you know what i mean you, you want actually ha- there being people who have the same aspirations as you i think it's amazing because i mean just even being able to have like conversations with people who just get your vibe like they understand like what you're trying to achieve because they're actually thinking of something quite similar i think even keeping those people like around is amazing anyway and like you say i think it's amazing that you actually use your platform not only to kind of showcase your own stuff but kind of to elevate them as well you know that's that's important because mandy's not an island like you can't um no one does anything by themselves. A lot of people think that they do, that they don't think by themselves. Like a lot of people have this bootstraps mentality where it's like, you know, nobody gave me anything and I did both. And it's like, that's just, not, <laughs> that's just not the truth. Even if, even if you really like, you didn't get any loans or like if your parents didn't feed you when you were a child, which, okay. Like um, everyone, <laughs> everyone got something from somebody. And even if, you know, you did receive as little as possible, you're still standing on the achievements of others. Like if you did it through social media, you didn't invent the internet, you know what I mean? Like, yes, you built your platform on the internet, but there was a whole mm. bunch of work and suffering and pain and struggle and death that came before you getting what it is that you have. Everybody, yeah. we're, we're, we live in a society, you know what I mean? Everybody contributes, everybody builds. So nobody pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Everybody was given something to work off mm. of. Um, I think that's what I would say with If Not Now, then when, like, for me, I've realised that over time that actually it's really about actually no matter who you are whether or not you're at the top of your game or you're someone who really doesn't know what you're doing and you're much younger or 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 whatever like you genuinely everyone should help each other and it should be like community think particularly at the moment when actually there's so much uncertainty for a lot of people like actually showcasing what someone else has done on your like platforms I think is 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 really really cool because not only does it represent other people and it's like you know it just gives people other things to follow and other things to be excited by but it actually also reflects really well on your character as well because everyone gets a feel for your personality and the fact that you're not only doing a really good thing but you're also willing to like champion other people who are in the same mindset yeah no it's 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 important one of the value propositions that i have is inspiring people every like i get a certain amount of comments 
and they always fall into several categories like i always know what i'm gonna get commented and one of them is always oh i've been having creative block and this inspired me to do x y and z um yeah and that's where i know i'm adding value into the world i'm not mm. just making images like you know um there's a reason why art is something that is universal and something that we all even though i think i don't think it gets as much respect as it as it should there's a reason why it's so important and why people feel this just unending need yeah. to be creative you know what i mean and if doesn't I can, matter what language you speak how old you exactly. are how like gender or anything exactly you know? and if i can contribute um, to that in any way then at least i know that i've done something with my day you know what i mean Mm. so moving on to the next question which i guess um there's going to be a level of you not revealing all which is totally fine um is then what so the reason for this question is basically that i think it's really exciting to know that people like for myself i'm really inspired by what you do what you've achieved and like for me at least like it'd be amazing to have achieved some of the things that you've achieved and i think it's really nice to have that then connection with the fact that you obviously have people that you aspire to be like and I would love to kind of get a feel for like what your aspirations are for the future obviously you don't have to go into anything in too much detail because obviously you keep it under wraps but be really exciting to know kind of whether or not you have a real idea in your mind of where you want to be next because it seems like you kind of have quite you're quite a goal-driven person yeah I think my so I have immediate like one-year goals and then I have like a five-year goal and then I have a I guess do you like write a, them down or is it just in your mind? Just like, do you yeah, make write them, them definite? Or? Yeah, and no, I write down on my phone. Um, do so you? Like, yeah, yeah. So like when I, so for example, like um, a, a very, maybe a silly one that isn't necessarily super important is I had social media goals for this year, which was, yeah. hundred, which was a hundred thousand. <laughs> nice. Um, so luckily that's worked out. Um, but yeah, no, Boom. I think, I think goals are super important, but um, it's like I said before, I think you need to be careful because people just aren't even the most loving people and like even i'm guilty of this because um you can't tell people what you want to do because they just don't understand until they see it they just really don't even even you need to have the goals but sharing them yeah. isn't, isn't, isn't necessary unless the person is going to contribute to it if that makes sense um you know if i need you to do something yeah. for me to help achieve that goal then that's one thing but you can't go around telling people i'm going to be this because they need to see it because they just won't believe it because they haven't done it themselves. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have these goals. Like I said, right right now, there's the goals are number-oriented and also it's based on experience. So I know that I can do more with financial freedom. So yes, right about yeah. now, that's where that's my immediate mm. one-year goal. Um, so I had timing goals before. So it was leaving my job in May, which I was able to do. Yeah. Getting a certain amount of social media followers in a certain amount of time this mm. year, which I was able to do. So all of these this year's goals have been achieved. Nice. Um, I've got just probably like, uh, well, I need to, I think it's like 300 more I need on Instagram and then like it's all sorted. 200 now. I checked today. Oh, is it? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like next year's goals are all financial. So I, I basically, um, and this is probably really, really important is that as creatives, um, like I said, finance is always something that's quite tricky. And a lot of people only have two um, avenues that they think of. It's getting a job or freelancing. And no one really ever thinks outside of the box. And basically, the worst thing you can do as as a creative, in my opinion, if you want to have any, if you don't want to be a starving artist, the best thing you can do as a creative is to build systems that bring you money, not for your time, but for your actual value that you bring into people. Mm. And I say that to say this, like a lot of people will go, okay, I work a certain amount of hours as a freelancer to do this. 
But mm. as we all know, creative projects take the time that they take. Period. Yeah. So as much <laughs> as you as much as you might want to give your time for money, that's not the value. The value is in the end product and also in you know mm. what value that brings. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I have yeah, yeah. right now a clothing brand, which is just it's obviously it's just a little baby thing. It's only got like seven thousand followers on Instagram and stuff, but it's doing quite well financially. And I've I have a business partner who um he handles all of the shipping and so on. So basically, I just design the stuff, mm. promote it, and then that makes money while I'm doing other things. Because, like I said, at the end of the day, it's like if if I was working um, based on my time, then I couldn't do this podcast because you know it's it's yeah. I need to pay bills. So, yeah. but then that that messes me up because this is a great opportunity for me. So you want to find ways to build your particular career in that way. <laughs> Basically, long-winded way of saying that my current goals for next year is financial and then after that it's basically just scale and impact so even even down to like I, I was i was watching this thing um uh i'm not gonna say any names because i've i've worked with both of these people but there was a creative um who went to a larger company mm-hmm. and basically the company he they did a, co- a collaboration together okay and cool then, um so when the collaboration came out it did so well that the company took the person off of the collaboration and started selling the collaboration as oh, just wow. a standalone thing without the person's name on it. And then it was right. just the company that was getting the money. That's a ma- To me, that's a matter of clout. So it's like, you can't take Kanye's name. And I, this is just like a, I'm not saying I'm yeah, Kanye, yeah, but like, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, take yeah. Kanye's name off of Yeezy and expect Yeezy to sell because mm. Kanye is the, the, um, the yeah. value proposition. So I'm... My five-year goal is to build enough influence and client to what I'm doing so that I am getting yeah. the money which I think I deserve and I can't be taken off of certain things and that people are coming to me. Brands and, you know, entities are coming to me because I'm bringing as much value as they are. Because a lot of, yes. a lot of the thing is that we, as designers, we, we tend to feel like cogs in the wheel, like replaceable. Mm. And you need to build an element of irreplaceability into what you're doing. Otherwise, like I said, you can work at a company and, and be award-winning. But as soon as you mm. leave, it's the company that's award-winning, not you. Yeah. Oh, my God. So this is the last question, which I am I feel like runs on massively from what you just said. Um, when you look back, and it could be not when you look back, really, to be honest with you, um, what is the best piece of advice that you've received? Because genuinely, I feel like there's so many things in terms of like a mantra that you live by. or And I think actually what you've just said is so powerful because I think as a creative you know, particularly at the moment when a large number of people are being made redundant and actually those people have got to remember that maybe it, it's just bad timing, it's just bad luck and, and actually that they really truly do have value and actually maybe it didn't work out where they are now but that's an opportunity massively for something else that you could do, do. you know, one door closes, another one opens type of situation. I'd be really interested to know what mantra that you can live by and also what piece of advice that you would give to people as well? Um, I think the advice that I live by and would give is finish is better than perfect and different is better than better. Because, um, yeah, if you're not putting this stuff out, it doesn't matter how much work you put in. Like, Mm. you've never finished it. You have to finish things. Like, things need to be finished. You need to learn how to finish things and then learn from the mistakes I'm shocking at that. Like I, but that's a problem. I, that's a really big better. problem. That's a really problem. Because yeah. if, you, if you're scared to show, to actually see the mistakes and get the response from the mistakes, then how do you grow? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like, powerful. Fi- yeah, fin- yeah, yeah, yeah. Finished is better than perfect because it's never going to be perfect, but you can finish. And ultimately, you will be judged by the things you finish, not how perfect True. you were. 
Um, and then, oh my god, this is so good. Is it okay? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The internet has really exposed like just the, the vast amount of different things that are out there. But as a piece of constructive advice, because I don't just want it to be me saying this and it's like, okay, go figure it out. Um, the best thing you can do <laughs> is to combine niches. So, for example, in my personal case, I combined painting, mythology, and fashion originally. Mm. So these are three things that don't necessarily go together, but I combine them. Um, and like mm. I said, what it does is it gives an underlying value proposition. So it's like the this, like I said, the stitching that keeps it together, and which means that I can change, and it, which means I can do something so wacky, which makes no sense, mm. is that I'm inspiring people to show them that they can do creativity themselves. So you need to have that underlined, you know, value proposition, but then you have to be different and you have to present it in a way that people mm. haven't seen before. Oh, I'm so pleased to have had you as a guest. Like genuinely, uh, I just I just feel like it's so inspiring to kind of see how excited you are about future projects and actually almost that you've not put yourself in a box at all. And um, thanks so much for your time, genuinely. And I would love to kind of continue this conversation again another time as well. And like maybe in like a couple of years and just see kind of where you've got to, because I don't know, it just is so exciting, I think. Yeah, of course, it was really fun. It's, 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 yeah, it's, weird. it's nice to be able to actually um, talk about this stuff. don't even know how to summarize this one what an inspirational creative mind you know when you've just spoken to someone who you just feel like has just touched the surface on their achievements i'm so excited to see what happens next with his career i love that he truly understands his market and what they want from his brand one of the themes of the if not now then when toolkit is to understand who you are what you offer and its value denzel highlights that through consistent hard work anything is possible for more information about Curry Goat and Denzel's tutorials online, visit his Instagram and YouTube at simply Curry Goat, C-U-R-R-I-E Goat. For my final episode, I'll be speaking with the hugely successful and incredibly humble Camille Wallala. For me, this has been a long time coming, and since meeting her at an event, fangirling her incredibly hard and rambling on about cheese, I honestly can't believe that she agreed to chat with me. But here we are, I'm ending the year on a true personal high. Camille Wallala is an artist who creates art prints, textiles, and huge street installations across the world. This is honestly not one for you to miss. And finally, to keep up to date and to gain access to the toolkit, please feel free to register for updates via the If Not Now Then When website at inntw.co.uk. Thanks again to Unicat Music for transforming this podcast. I'll honestly never forget your contribution to this. If you'd like to hear more about them or follow them on Instagram, you can do at unicat.music or Spotify. Finally, a massive thank you to the series sponsor, Minotti London. Genuinely, this series would not have been the same without your support. And thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.